welcome to the very 132nd Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast that's all about the board games. Joining me on this veritable odyssey of a pod is the wonderful Ava Foxfort. Hello. And the almost wonderful Quentin Smith. Whoa, I disapprove of this. Nearly there. One day you'll get there, Quins. I believe in you. (laughs) Should we we do that one again? Should we retake that? Shall I flatter you more in this pod (laughs) intro? We don't need to do it again because I'm going to prove why I'm better than you two because my feature on this podcast, I think, will be the best feature. Uh, Tom, would you like to explain (laughs) to the people what we're going to be doing on this most special of Odysseys of Pods? On this most special of odysseys of pod we're going to be talking about our ideal or imaginary or dreamed post-covid board game nights where we will talk about what games we want to get to the table when all this i just like i just gesticulated wildly to suggest the bigness of what this is is all over when can we get around a table and what games are we going to play together. I thought this would be a really fun feature to do. I thought, oh yeah, dream board game nights. That's going to be a really cute thing. I, did, he, did did either of you two get kind of sad while doing this? Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bit sad. I also uh, got a bit uh, financially irresponsible um, <laughs> during the the sort of, I would hate, I wouldn't call it research, but the, the, the thinking about this segment. Um, I may have bought some things Wait, on you, an impulse. Hang on, you bought things in real life for this feature of what your imagined favourite board game night would be. Is this like preparation so that you can make this, <laughs> your imaginary board game night, a reality in future? Yeah, yeah. I got, I, I got so excited about the games that I wanted to play in real life that I've played digitally and now want to play in real life that I bought those games going like, oh, that's going to be good. And I added them to the pile of games that's sitting in my cupboard that's like got a big label that says one day uh, on them. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. I guess this is kind of sad because um, after the year we've had, it's been so wacky. It's not like we can be truly sure that these dream board game nights will actually happen you know everything feels so in flux right now it's like this feels less a feature about you know what we will one day do and more a feature about what we hope we can do again yeah i don't think everyone's gonna get their ideal board game night in one night but i'm hoping that we can extrude all of these games over multiple sessions until we have over time played the giga board game night (laughs) if that makes sense (laughs) I've definitely got the thing that there's a lot of different games, different game nights that I want to have. <laughs> like, there isn't a single answer to this question for me. Mm. because There's definitely, like, different groups and different experiences and different environments that I want to play games in. And all of those are really important to me and I'm really excited about them and really sad that they're not happening for a while. But, yeah, there's 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 there's, there's too many different ways in which i enjoy board games so i think i think i know what my like official answer is for this but i'm also got like a couple of little side answers that are like also quite important to me and also like gonna make me cry a bit when they actually happen it's gonna be slightly awkward teaching when you're crying not good <laughs> wow i can't say i've ever done that specifically um but I yeah i know need to talk to you about the way the way ports work in this game your action <laughs> points are gonna seem like you've got lots but you just don't they go away so fast uh i know what you're talking about though because i one possible answer of this for me would be like okay my dream board game night is just 12 people coming over and we play blood on the clock tower for six hours and that's it but that wasn't a particularly interesting answer so i didn't that that's not my answer which of us is gonna go first tom me (laughs) me quins has hyped his answer up so much that it needs to be the finale my answer is gonna be weird so it needs to go in the middle like a weird sandwich Mm. so tom you're up that's my okay. decision. Uh, in my ideal post-COVID board game night, I have a trio of games. And these are games uh, that maybe this isn't going to be the most... Because I, I also had lots of different answers. I had answers, which I'll get into like later. There's like another answer for a different kind of game night. But this is the one that I settled on talking about, which is themed loosely around games that I played on TTS that weren't quite it. Like, they were games that I was like, huh, that's pretty good. 
but I want to get them to the real table. I want to play them on the real table because TTS felt like a freaky way to play these games. And the first of those, which is very funny because we actually talked about covering this in a future podcast a lot just before <laughs> we started recording, is El Grande. Ooh. So... I love El Grande. I, I loved playing that in TTS, and I know I'll love it more in real life. But it highlighted a load of weird stuff about this year and about playing things in TTS that I want to talk about. Um, but briefly, I'll talk about what El Grande is first. So El Grande is this very sort of pure area control game where each turn, uh, e- each round, you will use one of five actions that are different every turn. You'll flip these cards from these decks that will give you a different action to manipulate stuff on the board with. Uh, and you will use those actions to do some variation of placing or moving cubes on a map, with the twist being that you have to place cubes in areas that are adjacent to the king, which is this big piece that sits in a region on the table. Uh, and one action that's always available is to move the king around the board, and the area that he is in will score extra points at the end of the round. And of course, at the end of each round, majorities in every area will get you a variable number of points. Uh, with the added twist that some areas, like your home area, um, are worth extra points. And then there's also this big tower called the Castillo, which instead of plopping troops elsewhere, you can instead opt to, you can always opt to throw them into the Castillo, which gets lifted at the end of the round, revealing all the little people hidden underneath, uh, like cartoon bugs under a cartoon sofa. Um, that will also score you points, uh, and those people then get to go anywhere on the board to swing more regions to your side. So what you've got is a very sort of like tight, crunchy area control game of moving cubes and making decisions. And there's also kind of a, I guess it's almost an auction mechanic. Uh, Playing these cards to choose which action you get is sort of done in a strange auction. It's an odd mix of things, but it's very much this sort of very tight, pure area control game. It's so good. It's so good. But playing it in Tabletop Simulator made me realize a couple things. Um, Firstly, like Tabletop Simulator makes games more legible, sometimes quicker, and sometimes easier at kind of a detriment. And I think that also happened during Power Grid, uh, which we played recently, so I might slip between those examples. But this sort of like bird's eye, all-seeing angle of TTS means you often have perfect information and you interface with the game as more of a video game and less of a board game. By removing that engagement with the physicality and subsequent limitations of that medium, you have an experience that's like very different and kind of almost incomplete <laughs> yeah i really feel that um but with the because in tabletop simulator or even board game arena you, you've got this sort of like detached head that lets you float over to look at exactly what your friends are doing and physical board games are all kind of designed with it in mind that you can't just like elbow your way you know into your friend's chair and look down at what they're <laughs> doing and building so that sort of naturally sort of decentralizes your friend's personal player boards and holdings from what you're thinking about yeah, absolutely. And, and there's something, we played Power Grid as well recently, and I'll, and I'll dip into that slightly as an example as well, where in that game, I felt like there was no, no one had any barrier to just jumping straight for the calculator. <laughs> like, yeah. straight away, you're whipping the calculator out. And because you've got that viewpoint, like, what's important to you can be really far away. And I think that psychological aspect so, like, in El Grande, right, like, where you're sat around the table might, in, like, interfere with what you want to actually, like, mess with just because it's closer to you and you psychologically feel like it's yours. Whereas in Tabletop Simulator, with that detached camera, the whole board suddenly becomes, like, as equally available as anywhere else because there's no tangible physical presence of where everything is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think there's a thing where, like, games that, you play online on the internet for whatever reason they allow you to engage much more with the puzzle and they allow you to like look at it as like this is all of the inputs this is everything that's going on these are all of the pieces here and like all of that element of the game is not just present but magnified because you really Mm. can actually take the time especially if you're playing asynchronously to like so for the example here for me it's like i've been playing innovation loads and when I play innovation at a table, I am surprised by what my opponent does. Whereas if I'm playing it online, I actually have time to read all of their cards every turn and check whether I want to engage <laughs> with them. So I dive into that bit of the puzzle way more and get to like really like get into the crunch. And I think this is why we've over this past year been re- reviewing like 
crunchy puzzly euro games a lot more favorably than we possibly have done in years previous because they're things that are magnified and made better but something about el grande like it is a really solid puzzle and it is really interesting and like people who are good at it and good at mathing it out and good at seeing the board and seeing what everyone's doing will do well but also it's a game of it's a game of argy-bargy, isn't it? It's a game of like <laughs> nudging and pushing and bit getting grumpy when someone puts a thing down and like they put the thing down. And you go, oh, what are you doing? That's mine. <laughs> and that becomes a competition. And like, you know, you lose by getting too into that competition. But that's part of the fun. Like that's part of the fun is building up these little weird rivalries where you end up like picking on someone or like not being able to take a slight from an opponent and yeah all of those things kind of pour into it and they you can do that uh um on the internet but it is <laughs> it is not the same it doesn't feel <laughs> the same like i don't know you, you can you can shout and you can talk but you can't elbow someone you can't <laughs> you can't like do you dramatically stamp a piece onto the board you can't do you want physical altercations to come back into your board game i mean Is that... I, a little bit like no to be clear like don't actually do violence to anyone you're playing board games with in on the internet in person not okay like i don't i don't really mean actually elbowing someone but i mean like <laughs> like looking like you're going to <laughs> or like... i'll admit right now something i do that i think is allowed is because in, in my case it's good spirited if someone does something really mean to me in a euro game where you have a lot of bits and pieces that are yours personally in front of you like you know i don't know brass birmingham where you have all your little piles of factories and things if you do something horrible to me i might reach over with one finger very slowly and just like smear your nicely organized playing pieces around <laughs> and i think that's fine uh, as but that is, that's a sort of literalization of argybarge that i do think is allowed oh, we're using a lot of fancy sentences and and, and sort of like lofty observations about el grande here but tom in your perfect board game night here's what i think you'll be really delighted by when you play el grande in real life the board bigger than you expect <laughs> <laughs> there it was a sort of poorly compressed jpeg when we played it, um that really did you know make me feel like i was there ah here's another thing you'll learn when you're sat in front of the real physical board the um the the artifacting is is still not perfect um, oh brilliant <laughs> you'll also like the other thing that's nice about it if your edition is old enough the castle made of wood Oh, but only if your edition is older enough. We'll talk about that another time, maybe. But yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, the Casio because that was also uniquely depressing in Tabletop Simulator because there was no way that you could lift it up and look underneath and, and all the cubes spilling out and it being this big moment. Instead, you just pulled cubes out one at a time by clicking uh, and dragging. Oh no! Like, oh, it's just not good. It's just not good. And like. That brought me to another sort of oh. weird realization about tabletop simulator mods where the best ones try their best, or the thing that's nice, nicer about tabletop simulator and isn't present in Board Game Arena and Tabletopia to some extent is that they don't emulate like the game feel. Um, and you brought this up in your in your Hansa review, uh, Quinns, where socketing cubes onto that board in Hansa Tonica, God, I can only imagine what that feels like. Doing my Hansa Tonica <laughs> review was so dumb. So I did a video review of this um, a couple of weeks ago, and we mostly did our playtest, well, entirely did our playtesting on tabletop sim on Tabletopia, rather. So I had the bizarre experience before I wrote my script of sitting in front of a physical copy of Hansa alone. And doing all the things you do on the internet, like pick up a cube, put it on a route to see how it felt, which was like a vitally important part of the review process. Um, and taught me that, oh yeah, placing cubes is great. Reaching across the board is great. It also led me to a weird realization that ties into this conversation about El Grande. Hansa Teutonica, a game that benefits from having a board that's smaller than you expect. El Grande benefits from having a board that's bigger than you expect. Mm. I think, hear me out. The best boards in board games are either a bit too big or a bit too small. And in between is like no man's land. Like, don't do it. <laughs> that is the most ludicrous thing I have heard you right. say. You, but you know, you know me well enough now, Tom. You saying that will mean that I will now be looking for opportunities to prove that point for the next nine years. <laughs> Quinn's perfect board game night will mostly be showing us a series of boards and arguing for the cases for the big. Listen, Ava, listen. 
the two games that I choose to play, and we'll talk about later on my board game night, one has a board that's way too big, and the other has a board that's non-existent. So, <laughs> you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. So, I'll move on to the, because I, I had three games that I want to talk about, and I'm going to sort of crunch the last two into one little thing, because I'm aware that people have a finite amount of time in this board game night, so we're going to compress the time I spend talking about it, as I will the time spent playing. We talked about this game on another podcast, but I wanted to... Uh, briefly say that I'd like to play this in real life. And that's Vampire Vendetta, Vampire Ooh. the Masquerade Vendetta. We It's a lovely sort of uh, bluffing, backstabby card game that we talked about a few podcasts ago. And I think it's really, really neat, but it definitely needs that in-person love. And we talked about that during the podcast because card games in TTS are kind of not great. We talked about that at length. You can go back and listen to that podcast if you want to hear thoughts on that game. I think it's a combination of the text on the cards. Managing your hand of cards is kind of slow and crucially not seeing a person actually playing a card is kind of huge. Mm. You don't have that feeling of someone putting a card down the table and everyone sort of craning their necks and going, ooh, or something <laughs> like that. Or looking at someone looking at their cards and looking at the table, looking back and thinking, ooh, what are they thinking? That's not present. Instead, you just got a compressed JPEG of Matt's face hovering <laughs> over the table. <laughs> it's horrifying. Um, and Vampire Medetta also has licks of bluffing, which in a TTS were calculated variables rather than emotive impulses. Um, and it says that you should play at a higher player count. So there's so many factors that make Vampire Vendetta a game that I really want to play in person. However, the last game that I want to talk about is a combination of both of these things. It's a combination of a physical board that I want to touch with my hands and manipulate things with and a card game that doesn't carry in TTS. Maybe oh maybe we should do a fun bit where I ask you to guess. Fayum? Fayum? Does Fayum have cards in a board? I haven't Fayum heard. does have cards in a board. It's okay. not Fayum, though. <laughs> Any more guesses? Well, it's got cards in a board and it doesn't work in TTS. It's not the defense of Procyon 3, is it? <laughs> it's every game ever. It's got cards in a board, it doesn't work in TTS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what am I? Uh, no, the game that I really, really want to play, this is more than anything else, is Inish. Oh, you haven't played Inish IRL? With the Seasons of Inish expansion. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I'll tell you what. The thing is, those are those the Seasons of Inish expansion arrived just, just before lockdown hit, and it didn't get a chance to get it to the table. But oh. that game, you can fit the entire game of the base game and the expansion into the expansion oh, box, and that is yes. the most perfect thing in the universe. And I, oh, God. Ava, that's great news because I literally ordered both just before this podcast. Because <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, I, had, I have played Inish before in person, but I played it at a board game cafe and I learned the rules like while we were sitting around the table and it was too warm and I had a really sickly sweet cider that made me feel like I was having a heart attack. Um, <laughs> wasn't ideal conditions under which to play Inish. But I was thinking about it and it has that it's... I haven't even tried to play it in Tabletop Simulator because it will be this unholy combination of those two factors that will make me sad rather than happy to play it. Mm. Um, it's got hands of cards that you have to constantly pass around and it's got area control where you move things around that just won't be as satisfying in Tabletop Simulator. Also, Inish has a board that is slightly larger than it needs to be. <laughs> well, it can be bigger than it needs to be or it can be smaller because you build the board as you go. So maybe it fits into both categories. No, but each of those each of those tiles is way bigger than it needs to be. Like, <laughs> so even if you've got a tiny board and you're somehow playing the game with just three of those tiles, they are enormous <laughs> enormous oh and you love eclipse don't you which is the game that like occasionally expands to take up more table than it's possible to have and still well that's see not your that's not that's not good that's not good <laughs> anyway <laughs> we'll ignore that one we'll sweep that one under the rug but um the i'll also briefly talk about what seasons of finish adds um and why i think it would be extra exciting to play it in person um seasons of finish adds this we want a king variant to the normal game which really made me chuckle because i read the rule book um earlier to see what it added before hitting that big purchase button um basically the we want a king variant is a normal game of inish but if the bren isn't among the tied players then you flip the we want a king tile over to the we need a king <laughs> side um where if no player meets the victory conditions the bren wins just by being the bren the bren being the first player and if the bren isn't among the tied players then the players share the win 
which is like completely flipping the way that Inish works sort of on its head because it solves Inish's kingmaking problem, which I think some people don't think is a problem. Some people do. And I, I don't know where I stand, stand on that after one game. But it still sounds so exciting having this system where players will share a victory in this sort of like, because you can also scale up to five players as well. So it sounds really interesting. And it's also got a load of other little mini expansions and some new cards and new tiles and adds a fifth player and all that. So that is the game that I want to play. And that's my game night. That trio of games. Strap in. It's a long one. So it's El Grande, Um, Vampire Vendetta, Inish with Seasons of Inish. It's strong. It's a a strong night. That is solid, yeah. Strong night, strong night. You'll notice that Ava and I aren't using words like fantastic or luminary. We've said <laughs> we've said strong and solid. Okay, okay. Um, because the boards are all exactly the right size. Exactly. Well, uh, you're trying to make fun of me, but I, I don't think it's working. I think it's just no. Vendetta is Vendetta is slightly <sighs> smaller, and uh, Grande is slightly bigger, and Innis is definitely bigger. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were a bunch of other games that I'm excited to play in person that I've sort of been like saving up. Like Etin is something that arrived like way before, yeah. uh, like a long, long time ago, and that's a sort of strange thing that needs like minimum like four or six players. Um, when Oath comes out, that's something that will take up an entire game night. I'm so excited to play that. Fayum is still a game that I want to play physically in person Ooh, because yeah. those little wooden bits that sounds so nice. It's really lovely. They're all really lovely. They're all really lovely. Sorry, I'm interrupting you just to tell you that. <laughs> But you're right, but <laughs> and the uh, sidereal confluence remaster, and that's my that was my Ooh. shortlist. I feel like I've just I've just rambled, but I've just got so many games that I want to play, and that's sad and also great. It's good, it's good because what this means is that yes, this year has been very difficult for our staff, you know, because playing games online is hard and we haven't been able to spend time together. But it's great that we're all so excited to play all these games so that when we're coming out of a year, we're not going to be tired, we're going to be enthusiastic, we're going to be hype, we're going to play some games. Not all of them are going to be good, that's going to be a heartbreaking realization. Um, (laughs) but that's that's all to come, Ava. Would you like to walk the people at home through your dream board game night? Right. So, dream board game night, to a large extent, it's just, I want to cook for people, I want to put music on for people, and I want to just sit back with people I care about and play something good. Right? That's all I really want. That's the most important thing. I'm going to come back to that, though, because as well as doing that, like, there's a couple of things here. Like, my first instinctive answers for this question were actually, well, one of them was like, do you know what? Oran Labora <laughs> arrived <laughs> the day that the lockdown started in the UK. Like, it came in my package. And it, so it was the first game that I kind of got, opened up, looked at the manual, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to play it for some indeterminate amount of time. And so there's part of me that's just like, all I want to do is I want to get that game to the table, figure out how on earth it works. So this is an older Uwe Rosenberg game that has a resource wheel thing, similar to what's in Glass Road, where every turn resources will build up a little bit. And whenever you grab them, you reset them to zero and take that many things. But it's kind of sharing between you. So it's a bit like the Havre push your luck thing. Anyway. It's about monks in France or <laughs> Ireland. Wait, what? <laughs> you've got you've got two variants in the game. Like it's got an expansion effectively inside it. There, all of the cards are double sided, and you could either play the France side or the Ireland side, which changes how much whiskey and or I can't even remember what the other thing is. Um, ah, that's annoying. It's got to be wine. It's got to be wine. I'm going to check. If you're checking something, I'm going to check something else that just occurred to me while you were talking. This is my favorite section of the podcast. What, me going... Oh, God. I've noticed that in every single edit, there's a nice pause where someone Googles something. And everyone can just relax. It feels like I should... Well, yeah, a little bit. And it also feels like I should definitely make a theme song for it and put it in one day. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, please do that. Will do. Tom, while I was just searching for that, I had a huge and very important realisation. Um, so people might not know this, but they've just announced a second edition of classic board game Great Western Trail, a game mm. of, of managing cows. They've announced that the second edition will actually be a trilogy of standalone games. So in 2022, we'll get Great Western Trail second edition. 2023, there'll be Great Western Trail Argentina, set in Argentina. Mm. And then in 2024, 
a million miles away when we'll all be wearing laser shoes, they've announced <laughs> Great Western Trail New Zealand. And while mm-hmm. Ava was talking about Aura Labora, I just realized Great Western Trail New Zealand isn't going to be about cows. It's going to be about sheep. It's going to be a game of building a deck of different sheep species. (laughs) I am so excited. And I have to wait three years? No. (laughs) That is the kind of revolutionary theming we need in board games. It means that my (laughs) board game collection can include not one, but two games about sheep management. Because Shut Up and Sit Down are also big fans of Lowlands. And I think we're the only people in the world who like that game. But I think it's awesome. I was thinking, speaking of sort of like dry games about collecting animals and etc who am i kidding that sounds amazing it doesn't sound dry at all <laughs> collecting animals they can be your best friends and you own them sounds great <laughs> and if you get hungry mm, and eat them yeah and eat them and wear them anyway i was thinking that maybe my game night should have just been one massive game of feast for odin because i did get quite excited about that after hearing it sort of like a sunday afternoon game oh, it's so good it's oh, very you, well d- does that mean that quinn's won the uve podcast <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. I think I'm more excited about Nisfjord. Wait, that was also no. Quinn's game. No, oh, Quinn, oh. my Nisfjord we agreed on. Like, Quinn's got uh, there first, okay. and I was really glad that that meant I didn't have to talk about it. Tom, it would be a pleasure for me to, uh, on some lazy Sunday afternoon after lockdown is over, to walk you through a long, slow game of yes. uh, Feast for Odin with the Norwegian's expansion. So you can have a horse. That fits really well to Ava's like, I want to put some music on and, and put some food on and play a, a, a long, long, long game. Because you could definitely eat a chili midway through a game of Feast for Odin. You're assuming that Feast for Odin is longer than it is. It's just bigger than it oh, has okay. any right to be. It's like not necessarily that long. It's I think just... when you described it as a game, you described it as as a combination of a day and a time span rather you than know, a game first. The, yeah, that I can see <laughs> I can see where you got confused, but it's because it's I call it a Sunday afternoon game. Now, an afternoon is not necessarily longer than a game night. It just it creates the distinction that in the afternoon I'm a bit more like um chilled out and like mm. uh, easy going. <laughs> uh, Ava, have you looked up this I found it out. Right. Ireland <laughs> If you play the island variant, you get to have whiskey and you get to grow whiskey and drink it. If you uh, play in France, though, you get both wine and bread. They don't have either of those things in Ireland. No, you don't have either of those things in Ireland. You just have whiskey. It's just, that's that's (laughs) it. Whiskey and peat. Both of them have peat. This is the game that uses peat more than any game that I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, I can't really talk about it. I can't tell you whether it's good. It's been something that's like on my list of things that I've wanted to try uh, since I first played Gas Road and was like, oh, I really like this. And so I was like, oh, you should try Aura and Nabora. I couldn't get a copy of it at all. So, and it finally got a reprint. I pre-ordered the reprint, it landed as lockdown started, and I just want to, there's just something about, like, playing that is going to be, like, for me, a big, like, it's not over, Mm. but it's over. Like, I know that the world is going to be changed forever by this stuff, and, like, there's going to be things that are going to be weird for a long time, but it will be a, it will be a bit of closure for me, I think. Yes. So I want to do that. It's not really my perfect game night. It might be like I've looked through the, I've read the manual twice now and I genuinely don't entirely understand large chunks of it. Um, It's a, it's it's, it's not, it's a weird, it's a weird one. It's got tiny little cards that have got lots of writing on them and like there's lots of things about it that I'm not recommending this, but I'm saying like for me, my first game night back, there's a good chance I'm going to be trying to convince people to play Aura Labora. However, going in another direction, like obviously, and it's similar because it's like what arrives during lockdown that like I am most hyped for and most excited for and what got, what was the only game that got cancelled? I had two games cancelled as a result of the lockdown because I had them planned and they didn't happen. Obviously, it's Twilight Imperium. And I've now got this big expansion, which means that I can be pink. And I, I just, <laughs> like, that's going to be one of the first big things that I organize is, like, people coming over for a day or me going somewhere with a big box strapped to my back and we're going to play yeah. Twilight Imperium with a group of people who have played it with before and it's going to be, oh, it's going to be, like, a 
big release a huge game a load of weird fiddly extra rules that i'm not sure will actually add anything but like i do want to try the expansion ava look i'm not trying to no i literally am trying to poke holes in this um so you're gonna cook for people and then there will be toilet experience with the expansion no 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 well i mean i will cook for people for that i'll make a big load of load of stew that soup the night before so that we've got something for lunch but but this is okay this isn't well, this isn't my perfect game night but the thing is my perfect game you'll see why i'm doing this little prelude and these weird bits in a minute the other thing that okay. i really want to do so third big game night of the thing <laughs> because i am being ridiculous <laughs> i am sorry i want to get back to the pub like i don't drink um but being in the pub with honestly with people i don't always know that well like we had a pub game group in the town that i live in um and i went there and it was part of the routine to just be there play a couple of games and just do something there's four people who i've been playing games with from that group every pretty much every wednesday for the last year so they're some of the people that i've seen the most this year outside of shut up and sit down and my other job and I want to put Castles of Tuscany in front of them because we played Castles of Burgundy so many times and I want to see what they make of it. I don't think they're going to like it as much, but it's going to be there. And then that's going to be a nice quick game. So after that, we can get everybody who comes to the pub in for a massive game of Wavelength. And that is going to be a particular Ooh. kind of place. Like bit of Crunchy Euro, then expand out and just like sit with a group of strangers potentially who knows who will come <laughs> not knowing who will be there getting to see well i am going to be in tears the whole night because it's just going to be like <laughs> falling back into that thing okay right so that's but no 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 you know what those three nights they're all important to me like they're really people that are really important to me particularly in the twilight imperium group i'm really really looking forward to that it's going to be great however the perfect game night I'm going to make a really lovely food. I'm going to make something really nice. Something that I can get prepared beforehand doesn't take too much effort to do on the thing so that as soon as people arrive, we can see, we can have a chat. I'm going to get out that stew. I'm going to put it on the table. I am going to make some really lovely rice with my rice cooker. Oh, it's great. I'm going to put some nice music <laughs> in the background. It's going to be my get through playlist, which is my way of dealing with anxiety in life by just playing like really lovely, lovely, lovely tunes. And I'm just going to put that quietly in the background and I'm going to sit down with four people I care incredibly deeply about and we are going to play The Crew for about <laughs> 10 hours. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're going to play until the middle of the night and that's it. That's it. That's all I want to do. I don't want to play loads of games. I do want to play loads of games. I obviously, I listed like five games already. <laughs> but I just want to sit with people and just play that little co-op card game that I played just before lockdown and oh, it's just great and it's just sat at a table, cards, people, laughs, you pause every now and then, you can catch up, you can keep on doing as many missions as we can, we'll all love each other a bit more and hate each other a bit more as time goes on and it'll just be, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it's just the perfect thing for that particular situation like I, I i i know i've raved about it a couple of times on the podcast already but like it is very specifically like that is the feeling that i want to get with the people who i miss the most at the moment is sat around a table playing a simple card game and just keeping on going until uh, half the people there are drunk and everyone's a bit like knackered and we just like yeah I don't know. That's just going to be perfect. Here's why I like that answer. It's because what we're not getting this year with lockdown and COVID is, you know, that experience of being sat with people around a table at home, that homeliness, that socialness. And to some extent, putting a big, heavy, complicated board game in front of people is only going to get in the way of that experience. Yeah. You know, like I love the heavy games, but the focus of heavy games is the heavy game. And we've had heavy games this year. We haven't had warmth. You know, so I, I think that's a really cool answer. Is your answer cooler? <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, come on. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> okay, so my perfect board game night, if I could have any particular board game night right now, uh, here's what it would be. Picture the scene. Are you two picturing the scene? You I'm haven't ready. given us any scene to picture yet, Quince. Ava's brain is empty and ready to be filled with scene. Did you hear what Tom just said? Tom explained exactly that he was doing what I requested, so you <laughs> just look stupid now, Ava. Yeah. Who's at the door? Oh, the doorbell rings. Who's at the door? 
Bing it's t- it's team shut up and sit down it's Hello. tom it's ava it's matt uh there's also two other people which i'll get to later um but it's you three and like why is that why would my dream game night involve you three well um it's because i really really like playing games with you three but also that, that's not it uh it's it's also that you would approach games the same way you know i can speak my mind when i'm playing with games with people who also work for the site um but uh two player board game nights are kind of i do a lot of those i do a lot of three player board game nights i do a lot of four player board game nights as soon as you get to more than four players though things start to get really special because i don't play five player board game nights that often or six or seven players um or eight those are like rare and more memorable so there's team shot up is down the editorial team that's four of us and then there's two more people at my door so that brings us up to six people okay also it's very important here you all arrive at the same time so there's not like you know oh some people coming in oh i have to ask some people if they want to drink like six discreet moments in that no everyone arrives at the same time i get everyone uh, beer, booze, whatever. Wait, Ava, is this just because drink. this means that all of us have been in the lift on the way up and we've all done our hellos, so when we come in, like all of the focus is on you? <laughs> oh, that, no, I mean, I don't, I don't want the focus to be on me. I want the focus to be on the game. I want people to show up. You've all socialised on your way over, so you're just, ex- you've all got excited to play games. And then I just can serve drinks quickly. Ava, I've got you something, something sugar. Do you like like super sugary stuff Ooh, to yeah, get you yeah, sort of yeah, like yeah. hyped up? Yeah. Okay, great, great, great. Whatever you want, I've got that in. So I've got my host <laughs> points from like I've got everyone's beverages, so I don't have to think about hosting because actually, um, hosting makes me super anxious. Um, I hate cooking for people, even though I'm not bad at it, um, because it, it's just a trigger for my anxiety. So, mm. uh, so if people are coming over to my house, which I do like, I want to just be able to provide the drinks and snacks that everyone needs and then not think about it and know that everyone's kind of fed and watered because I don't enjoy that. I actually really don't. It's something I've come to realize about myself. Um, so six people are there. What do we play? We're going to play a three versus three game of Memoir 44 Overlord. Wow. So I did if not people see don't that know, coming. What, yeah, it's curveball, right? I, I, I thought about this list for a long time. Um, so if people aren't aware, Memoir 44 is a classic World War II game, but not the kind of heavy simulationist game that Ava's a big fan of. Um, but like almost like a family game, like a game with just like six pages of rules put out by Days of Wonder with little plastic men and little plastic tanks um, that are going to charge around a map of hexagons. Um, and the thing that makes Memoir 44 so frustrating and weird and wonderful is that the orders you can give to your team come from a hand of cards that you have very little control over. So you might have a hand that's like entirely, oh, move up down the left flank or armor assaults, but you have no ability to move people in the middle or the right of the board. And that is a nightmare, but your opponent doesn't know that you can't do that. So it's a game of adapting. Um, it means it's, it is a very tense game with lots of dice rolling and it's, it's frighteningly clever. Um, but it's also very goofy and random and, and, and sort of like, has a lot of moments where you go, oh, I can't, you know, that, that vine of, I can't believe you've done this. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's very much a game of that vine. Memoir 44 Overlord, however, is something different. It turns Memoir 44 from a two-player game into a team versus team game. Um, the Overlord packs are fantastic. They're just these paper, literally paper boards that you roll out that are like about five feet wide. So the board hasn't gotten any deeper, but it's gotten like four times as wide. <laughs> and then you all sit in a row. So it's, in our in my dream board game night it's three versus three so everyone is playing memoir 44 against the person sat opposite them and only the person sat opposite them because you only have control over your little strip of the board but you can send units that you control over the border to the right or left to your friend to like support them if they really need it it's a fascinating social dynamic and um i think the thing that as we go through the other games i've got in my evening it's 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 that's what i really crave right now it's it's the social side of things it's Mm. the silly side of things and memoir 44 overlord is a is is a it creates so many fascinating weird relationships because you're having a duel against the person set opposite you that no one else at the table understands you have teammates but they're kind of separate from you and then you have who your teammates are fighting who are players at the table who you literally do not interact with ever at any point and i love that i love it in um uh western empires i love games that are so big that there are players who i do not interact with because it just it, it to me creates this magical sense that the game i'm part of is bigger than i can comprehend you know that's when i'd start throwing around words like epic is if there are players who i just don't talk to um 
nothing sounds more epic than not talking to someone <laughs> oh tom it's bliss can you imagine like I j- anyway so uh but the thing about memoir 44 overlord is it doesn't necessarily take long so that's just a couple of hours and it's also not such a heavy game that it won't burn us out so then what can you do with six players and i love answering this question if i have that rare play account of six or seven or eight players that's such a good question because it, it really doesn't come along very often i thought six players dream board game night here's what we're going to play next team-based cosmic encounter so this is something i haven't even played that was introduced in one of the later expansions of um uh fascinating and weird and wonderful game of uh aliens fighting with cards cosmic encounter that i won't get into the specifics of what cosmic is but one of the expansions introduced a team variant so that you can turn a six player game or an eight player game which is traditionally sort of where cos- the wheels kind of come off cosmic into 2v2v2 and mm. I want to try that. And also, because this this board game night is happening in the realm of my imagination, um, <laughs> I can avoid the problem with Cosmic, which is one player around the table not knowing how to play and that banjaxing the entire experience. Because <sighs> in, in my dream, I ask now, we've finished Memoir 44 Overlord, we've rolled up the board and put it away, and I won. And then I <laughs> say to people, hey, what if we played Cosmic? You all know how to play Cosmic, right? And five people at the same time go... Yes, Quins. We would love to play Cosmic. <laughs> oh, God, um, that's... Oh, that's a really, really lovely image. That's like the... what? What's the, what's the meme? Yeah, sure. Sex is good, but have five people ever told you that they know how to play Cosmic Encounter? <laughs> I know, I know. Goodness. Um, okay, and then, so after... I've, from Momo 44 Overlord and Cosmic Encounter, now at this point, everyone is drunk. Also, that was part of my decision-making process. Memoir 44 Overlord, a game that hangs together if people are drinking during it. Cosmic Encounter, a game that hangs together if people are drunk by the time they arrive at it. Um, Because it's so unfair and weird. Then, after that, we are all either tired or drunk or, you know, on some kind of crazy sugar crash. So then, at like midnight, people look at me and go, oh, Quinns, we should probably go. And then I say, well, you could leave. Or... And then I take the leaves off of my gaming tables to reveal the red felt underneath and my uh, iron clays, poker chips from Roxley and a deck of nice cards that I haven't even played with yet of vanilla, like a new breaking the seal off a deck of cards. And I'll say, we could just play some cards and all put like five, 10 quid in to like play cards for money, but not much money, not enough money that actual feelings are going to be hurt, but enough money to trans... It's so weird, you two, like to play card games for even a small amount of money, like, you know, oh, okay, I lost, like you might lose a maximum of four pounds. It's so transformative for how card games feel to play <laughs> um, in a way that I've, I've not yet, I'm not yet able to put my finger on, but if any psychologists or gamblers are, are listening to this and want to leave me a comment teaching me why card games feel so immediately different, even if you're playing for pennies. I would love to know the answer to that. Um, now, bearing in mind, I did say the entirety of Team Shut Up and Sit Down was here. So we can't play poker because, and I can't overstate how big of a problem this is, Matt now can tell when I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's genuinely like, it's a real problem. When we played Dead at the Clock Tower on Sharks, Matt and I had to be put in separate games um, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's truly disastrous. And worse, I don't know how he knows. <laughs> Is it a one way? It's so it's entirely a one way street. It's not like oh, you yeah. become familiar enough with each other that you that you know each other's tales. No, it's that Matt has has analysed you uh, over many years and has now got the measure of you sufficiently that he can see through any lie that you throw at him. Well, not quite. I mean, yes, he sees through the lies, but what makes it extra infuriating? <laughs> the many it, lies. <laughs> I'm, I'm lying like all the time, but um, he also thinks that when I'm telling the truth, about half the time he thinks I'm lying as well. So he, so he catches, can't tell when you're lying. No, he catches 100% of the lies and 25% of the truth he also categorizes as lies. <laughs> okay, okay. Which is infinitely more infuriating because it means if we're playing The Resistance or Blood on the Clock Tower or Werewolf and I'm telling the truth, he sometimes still thinks I'm lying, which still ruins the game. <laughs> it's all, Anyway, it's all horrible. So for that reason, at the end of my dream board game night, we can't you play kick cards. Matt out. We cut. Oh, actually, yeah. Well, we'll kick Matt out for two reasons. First off, oh, now we find out why Matt isn't in, in this podcast, right? <laughs> so that Quinns can kick him out of his perfect games night. Two good reasons. First off, I don't kick him out. He chooses to leave at that point because he has to catch a train. And I'm like, oh, sorry, Matt. But him leaving is convenient in that it enables us to play poker, and it drops the player count down from six players down to five which means we can play briscola kiamata which is a terrific trick-taking game with a hidden role but 
I believe you can only play up five. So uh, yeah, I I want to be taught a card game by you. That that little series of videos is enough that like I want that to happen in real life at some point. So oh, I really want. I, I would love to bring back card games that don't suck. But um, the problem with doing that feature on Shut Up and Sit Down was that it really got in the way of my board game and card game playtesting mm. because mm. like I've I've got a, a a finely honed board game group down here in Brighton, but none of them are super thrilled if I'm like, hey, we could play a cool, expensive new board game or I could teach you another trick-taking game for an hour and a <laughs> half. Uh, what do you two think of my dream board game night? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Whoa. I think it's pretty good. I definitely do actually, I do want to go. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I definitely do want to go. Mm. Like, I think that and is, how much that is a solid evening. <laughs> how much are tickets? Tickets are £9.99. Nine 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 pounds. Yes, no. Pick tickets are free. Tickets are free, and I'll buy all the I'll buy all the alcohol for the evening. That's something I do always do. That's the, that's the extent. I I really can't be bothered with like like Ava. It, it, the fact that Ava you would want to cook for people is awesome. I yeah, wish yeah, I was yeah. like that, but because that stresses me out, um, I get by my anxiety by paying for all the booze before people get there, um, which means that I can feel like I've I've done okay. I try and find out what what booze and drinks people like as well to or to get drinks in specifically for them um that is really sweet but that that is that that is a good or that's also a good hosting hack actually is like what the simplest thing you can do people will almost always bring snacks but if you can provide a decent drinks cabinet a good range of teas and and that custom know that bespoke beverages that's a step above i mean i'll just make the thing is i don't actually have access to it anymore because of brexit but I will just be making a couple of giant pots of the best tea in the world, which will be my drink solution for my games night. But. Oh, you know, if we're talking about dream board game nights and Brexit, I will say shout out to all the Shut Up Sit Down listeners who are in Europe um, because, or not even Europe really, but certainly Europe and kind of the rest of the world. But some of my happiest memories have been going to board game conventions or traveling for work and getting to play board games with Europeans. Um, because I don't know why, but when you go to board game conventions in Europe, often people are from different countries and different European nationalities making fun of each other is one of the things that makes me laugh harder than like anything else. <laughs> like if you ever get around a table with a bunch of Scandinavians, like, you know, someone's from Denmark, someone's from Sweden, someone's from Norway, and they all start making fun of each other for stereotypical national things, I will be crying <laughs> laughing. I love that so much. I really, really do. I feel like it's terrible that we've left the acceptable international banter zone. I think that's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't cut the same way if I make fun of a French person after exactly, Brexit. Yeah. That's another thing Brexit's taken from us. Oh. No, no, it was, I, mean, I mean, I feel like it was always part of Schengen, really. But anyway, you don't need to include my Schengen joke, Tom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand it either. And I know what Schengen is. Now we're keeping the Schengen joke I, here. Oh, Ava, can you explain the Schengen zone joke? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> It must be for one person to get and one person alone in the comments will be sitting here right now going, ha, now that's a good Schengen joke. <laughs> I just, it's just like, it's just like the Europe being able to take the piss out of each other quite coherently. Like, I think that Britain has actually always been a bit outside of that because we're not, we're not part of it. And it's not actually Schengen because the Swiss can get in on it too. Um, or oh no, Swiss are part of the EU, but not Schengen. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, it's really, are you part of the landmass almost? Yes. You know, and like to which Scandinavia gets away with it because there is that bridge connecting Sweden and Denmark. So it's all kind of one big thing. I just, I miss Europe. I, I love Europeans. I really do. If you're a European listening to this, I miss you. I love you. And on that note, <laughs> if you've been enjoying... <laughs> If you've been enjoying the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast recently, um, we've actually been getting a load of really nice comments. Um, I think it's it's okay to reveal that Tom uh, has taken control of uh, the pod reins and has been sort of managing the podcast, doing uh, putting some extra time, hours, and love into making it better. And um, people have been saying they really liked the discussion of history in the Carnegie episode a while back. Um, Tom and me talking about Rannick Nitzia as a great designer um, and the last few episodes and if you too have felt that the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast has been getting a bit better recently um, we would like to ask you a favour. Um, it's been a while since we've really put out a call to do this but 
If you uh, want to reward us for doing our best to make this a more pleasant listening experience, we would love a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. It doesn't have to be a long review. It can contain whatever words you want. It can contain... Uh, no, that's actually sort of the extent of what it can contain. But it would make <laughs> a large difference uh, to us because it would help us get up the entertainment podcast charts and that would help us to reach new listeners. So if you fancy doing that, we would really, really appreciate it. I I think that the thing that we have demonstrated today is that we all really want to play board games and like board games oh. are really lovely because like the thing that is wonderful about them and they are still doing this during the pandemic, you know, I've been able to stay in touch with people because I've been able to say like, hey, do you want to just play a board game? And I've got to meet new groups and like hang out with some people, learn new games and do all of these things. But like, oh my word, I can't wait for board games to do what they are made for, which is getting a bunch of people around a table laughing and laughing and laughing. And I, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I miss you guys. I'm really sorry that I didn't explicitly invite you to any of my board game nights. (laughs) Because Quinn's, that was, you got me right at the beginning. I was like, oh, no, he's actually inviting us. I thought we would. (laughs) But yeah, I think, I think I can't wait for these board game nights. And this is the thing. All of these nights are going to happen. All of these games are going to happen. And we're all going to get a chance to see each other again and like be with each other and laughing. And like, it's terribly sad because some tables aren't going to have people as a result of this. And that's going to be truly deeply heartbreaking so if that's a position you're in i'm so sorry but like we need each other we're people we're humans we want to be connected to each other we want to see each other we want to belong and board games can help that and i think that we're all going to have some really really beautiful board game nights in the future that will about wrap us up for this spicy 132nd episode of the shut up and sit down pod oh my voice just went (laughs) it's because i've just been thinking about these board games and i've just been so emotional we will be back next week to talk about more board games i think we're gonna have just a little teaser for you we're gonna talk about some old crusty euro games which is gonna be good fun to take us down from this very emotional peak we're gonna have a nice dry trough to laugh well You know what? We spent this whole episode talking about games that we can't play and can't wait to play, but I guess the way to tease next episode is you're going to be talking about games that you can only play from the comfort of your home. That's true. Games you can play online now. That's the theme. I hope it's the theme. If we change the scheduling, this episode is balked. It's locked in now. (laughs) (laughs) Have a lovely week end because we normally release this on a friday don't we have a lovely weekend everybody and see or hear or speak to your ears wow i've bodged this very soon Good- goodbye, goodbye. <laughs>